Welcome to Local St. Charles. This podcast is done in conjunction with the Greater St. Charles County Chamber of Commerce and focuses on local businesses, their successes, their stories, and their challenges. The Local St. Charles podcast is produced by Changescape Web. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ken Tucker of Changescape Web. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Gaines, Director of Community Relations for the St. Charles County Ambulance District, a role Kyle's been in for over 12 years now. And Kyle, I think you probably are one of the first people I really remember meeting through any of the chamber functions. We've seen each other for a very long time through our involvement with the chamber. Absolutely. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but the numbers don't lie, do they? <laughs> they, they don't. They really don't. So. I think a lot of people don't really have any idea of what the St. Charles County Ambulance District is all about, how big it is, the square mileage that you guys have to cover, and the total population. Can you just kind of talk about that a little bit? Giving you the nickel tour, so to speak, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. You're absolutely right, Ken, that EMS is not something that your average citizen is going to think a whole lot about until the day that they need to call 911 for some reason. So, and, and that's okay, we understand that, but there is so much more to St. Charles County Ambulance District than just 911. And we're hopefully we'll be able to get into a little bit of that today. But in a general sense, St. Charles County Ambulance District covers all 592 square miles of St. Charles County. So that is not just the core cities like St. Charles, St. Peter's, O'Fallon, Wentzville. That is all unincorporated areas of our county as well. Everything uh, that the county borders touches is our service area. That means wine country of Augusta. If you're heading over the bridge to go to Fast Eddie's, all of that area is our service area. Today, our population that we serve is about 400,000 residents is where we believe that to be probably a little bit more official number. We'll be coming out with the census data that we expect to be released here pretty shortly. But in a general sense, 400,000 is the population that we serve. We do that utilizing 19 ambulances that are on duty 24-7, 365. That comprises our emergency division. Currently today, those 19 trucks work out of 16 ambulance stations. We've got three stations that are double truck stations because they're very busy. Now that number will shift around a little bit uh, due to some infrastructure changes, new stations that we're planning here over the next couple of years. But today it's 19 trucks out of 16 stations. We also operate a non-emergency transfer division. That number of trucks on duty changes depending on the time of day and the day of week based on need. And those trucks handle things like if somebody needs to leave one of our hospitals here in St. Charles County and go maybe to downtown St. Louis to Big Barns or SLU for an elevated level of care or for a specialty procedure that we can't do out here in St. Charles. Those non-emergency transfer trucks handle that. They also handle maybe somebody is leaving SSM Lake St. Louis or Barn St. Peter's following an ortho surgery, a hip replacement or a knee replacement. They need to go to one of our skilled nursing partners for some rehab. Obviously, you can't put that patient in a taxi and say, bye-bye, they'll be waiting for you on the other end. They need to be medically monitored and uh, taken care of during that trip. And we handle those kinds of transfers also. And again, we've got a, a full complement of team members that handle those kinds of transfers also. 
in total, if you look at requests for service, and that's what we call all the calls that we receive, that might be 911, that might be not emergency, that might be a simple, I've fallen out of my chair and I'm not able to get myself righted, I'm not hurt, I don't need to go to the hospital, but I, I need a helping hand today. If you take all those calls into account, our annual call volume, we don't have our 2020 numbers finalized just yet, but if you look at 2019, our annual call volume was just shy of 45,000 calls per service that we responded to. That works out to somewhere in the ballpark of 130 calls every single day that our team is is running. Is wow. it 130 every day? No. You get an abnormally busy day and you run closer to 175. Some days it's a little quieter and it might be just under 100, but on yeah. average, about 130 a day is what you can expect us to run. That's amazing. And I'm blown away that there are 19 ambulances. That seems incredibly low to me. We're one of the largest EMS organizations in the state of Missouri. There's very few that have uh, a larger number of trucks on and cover the number of miles that we do. 19 trucks is the number that we have on duty at any given time. But okay. our entire fleet, if you look at the number of trucks that we actually own, is far greater. Obviously, that uh, those sure. non-emergency trucks would be added to that. And we also have a number of what we call surge trucks. We've got a couple of those that are fully stocked, ready to go at a moment's notice that if we have that major event that occurs in our community, they're ready to go at a moment's notice. They're fully stocked with every bit of equipment, medication that they need, that they can be put into the rotation. We just need to get a couple of bodies into them and off they can go. Yeah. And that surge capacity is important in our line of work. Obviously, we don't have time if that major event like a tornado or a serious ice storm occurs we can't take time to gather everything we need and get it all ready to go. It has to be ready at a moment's notice. So we're very fortunate that we've got that surge capacity and can put those trucks into service. We also have what we call backup trucks, and those are ones that we would need to move. Just like your own personal vehicle, there are times when we might have something overheats on an ambulance or an air conditioner goes out or any number of mechanical failures. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a vehicle like any other and unexpected things do happen. So we've got what we call backup trucks down at our service center that a crew can take a unit that's having a problem, switch into a backup unit. They will pull some of the equipment that they have on their, their frontline truck, move it over, and then they can get back on the road in a matter of minutes also. So all that comes into play, and our total number of vehicles in our fleet is well over 50. Yeah, but still, it, it just seems to me like a county of 400,000. St. Charles is a big county, especially from end to end. It's really amazing that you guys can conserve with just 19 on duty at any given time. So uh, now the ambulance district was started in the mid-70s, I believe. How has it evolved over the last 45 years or so? You're absolutely right. Prior to 1974, EMS was a very interesting animal here in St. Charles County and all over the country, really. Until that time, EMS was handled very largely in a lot of areas, if you can believe this, by funeral home operators. Uh, that was where our industry has its origins, is that funeral home operators would go out to emergency calls. It was typically a seven-digit number that someone called when they needed help, uh, and they would do their best 
to treat the individual. Obviously, things have evolved considerably since that time. Yeah. Uh, but again, we were formed by a vote of residents in St. Charles County in 1974 and began, began operations on New Year's Eve of 1975. If you can believe this, Ken, this is the really crazy part. You think 19 ambulances is, you think a little bit small of a number? We yeah. covered this entire county with three ambulances. Wow. <laughs> at that time. And, and that's just wild for me to think about. Um, I yeah. believe it was one unit uh, kind of positioned along I-70 in O'Fallon, one out in Lentzville, one down in St. Charles. That was it at that wow. time. Ironically, we just had an employee retire uh, this past Monday who uh, was brought on board in 1979 when we were going to add a fourth ambulance. And he remembered that kind of in his little farewell speech that he gave the other day, said, yeah, I was brought on to be the fourth ambulance. So obviously, St. Charles County has grown considerably in terms of infrastructure and in terms of population since that mid-1970s time. And we've grown right along with it. We have medics who remember the days when Highway K was a two-lane road. They remember that K and N was like, signs at that point. K wasn't the burgeoning commercial area that it is now. And that goes certainly for Winsville Parkway was nothing like it is today and whatnot. And we've, we've grown considerably through that time, adding stations, adding personnel, adding uh, additional programs to meet the evolving needs of our community. And like I said, we've gone from a three ambulance operation to 19 on duty at any given time today. So it's it's been quite an evolution. And Interestingly, we've added a number of other service lines during that time also, everything from mobile integrated health to substance use recovery response team to the non-emergency transfers that I, I mentioned earlier. It's been always continually evolving and looking at what we can do to serve our community. And that's really been a hallmark of our, our organization throughout our 45-year history. Yeah. Are those some of the value-added programs that you provide to the community, or are there some other things that you guys are doing? Again, I think whenever people think EMS, what they think is, I call 911 and they're there to help me. And certainly, yes, we do provide that service. But in particularly in the last 10 or so years, we've really made a substantial effort to try and add a number of those, as you so aptly put it, value-added services for the residents that we serve. In the last couple of years alone, we have added uh, a program called Mobile Integrated Health, which is a partnership with our BJC hospital partners here in the county, along with some insurance providers to work directly with patients uh, that are higher at risk, people who are leaving the hospital following a stay for congestive heart failure, COPD, pneumonia, things like that, that they're at higher risk for readmission to the hospital. Working with their primary care physicians and their specialists through the hospital, we work with those patients in their own home to try and keep them healthy, help them understand their new diagnosis and how to manage it so that they don't end up deteriorating and end up back in the hospital. That's been a phenomenally successful program that Again, the insurance carriers and the hospitals are contracting with us to provide that service, uh, and it ultimately ends up saving the healthcare system a lot of money in the long run because they aren't having to readmit through the emergency department and ultimately end up with a hospital stay. And, and we understand nobody wants to have to end up in that situation. So if we can help them manage that condition uh, in the comfort of their own home all the better. So that's one program we've rolled out in recent years. Okay. We've also uh, made some tremendous strides in terms of telemedicine, working with our behavioral health population, folks who are experiencing those behavioral health emergencies. A lot of times what they need is not to be 
rush to the emergency room. They need to talk with somebody who understands what they're going through. And we've been doing that through a partnership with Behavioral Health Response, BHR, as they are commonly known here Mm -hmm. in the region. We can connect with BHR right there from the scene via an iPad or via one of our truck phones and connect them right there on the scene with a master's trained clinician through BHR. And perhaps they can avoid that transport to the emergency department. Now, certain criteria certainly apply in those of which calls are appropriate to do that with and which ones aren't. But again, it's a unique delivery method of how can we better serve the population here in our community? Lastly, another unique program that we offer is our substance use recovery response team. We kind of began it in 2016 and then really ramped it up in 2017 to address the growing heroin and opiate epidemic uh, here in St. Charles County. And that's not something unique to our community. That's something that, I mean, you can't pick up a newspaper or turn on a news story without hearing about the what a significant issue that poses everywhere throughout the nation. But in addition to working with other community partners to heighten awareness of that issue, we also have a a very robust program for treatment referral. If our paramedics revive someone following an opiate overdose, immediately on scene, they begin a conversation about treatment and helping facilitate that individual's entry into a treatment program to help them on the road to recovery. We've got uh, several paramedics that if, if that patient agrees to it, we connect them with some specially trained paramedics that have their Missouri Recovery Support Specialist licensure, and they help facilitate entry into any number of programs, everything from Centerpoint to Preferred Family Health, Bridgeway, any of those kind of programs. And we've been able to develop pretty good data uh, in regard to helping people get on that road to recovery. Wow. A couple of those programs really seems to me, have probably taken on even a more important role with the situation we're dealing with with COVID right now. If you can keep people out of the hospitals so that the hospitals can can do their job and handle the surges that, that they may be facing from time to time, that just seems to me like that's a huge value add. And obviously, kind of leads me into my next question, which is, how has COVID-19 really affected and impacted the operations for you guys? Uh, COVID-19 has been a... A challenge, no doubt about it, a challenge unlike any we've ever faced before as an organization. But like so many times I've said throughout my tenure with the district, I'm so incredibly thankful for the partnerships that we have in our community. From the onset of this pandemic, our leadership has worked hand in hand with St. Charles County Department of Health, St. Charles County Department of Emergency Management, St. Charles County Department of Emergency Communication, our hospital partners, our fellow first responder agencies, everyone has come together on this and been working from the same playbook. And for that, I think we are better. It certainly has been a challenge. PPE, procurement, those doorway screening questions, all of that spun up in the early phases of that, uh, of this pandemic and have continued for now, gosh, we're going on our 10th month. But again, having those relationships in place has allowed us to be more successful. Our business community, our chamber members have really risen to the occasion and helped us and our partners at county agencies and, and our fire protection districts with a number of things. I'll give you a, for instance, Costco, been a member for years of the chamber and 
Beth and Marvin have been just wonderful with helping us procure things like Lysol wipes and things that have been very difficult to obtain during this time, hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. We've had a number of chamber members that made that pivot and have started manufacturing hand sanitizer. They've reached out and said, hey, we've got it in stock. What do you need? What can we drop off to help you guys? And, And don't think for a minute that we are not incredibly grateful for the support of our business community, helping not only us, but our whole community through this and have the supplies that we need. Wow, that's fantastic. We've kind of made the pivot to the vaccination has become a a big thing. Again, working in tandem with our health department, we've got over 80 of our team members uh, that have received the vaccine. We've still got more to go. But again, working in tandem, hand in hand with the health department to uh, they're managing that uh, that supply and demand issue very effectively and making sure that those doses are allocated out into our community everywhere from first responders to other healthcare providers, skilled nursing environments, hospitals, they're doing a wonderful job of collaboration and teamwork right now. Yeah, wow. A couple of years ago, I, I remember the you guys had a ballot issue. I know the chamber came out and endorsed that and supported that very strongly. And the citizens of the county passed it, which we were all very happy for. How have you guys been able to use those funds and what do you have planned for that? Yes, that was Proposition Ambulance. That was our general obligation bond issue in August of 2018 that residents approved. What that bond issue put into motion was our 10-year capital improvement plan. And basically from the onset of that approval, the following January, we were off to the races on ticking off items in that capital improvement plan. Some of the things are, are items that the average citizen maybe wouldn't notice that they've been put into play. That would be replacement of trucks, adding new ambulances. We got all of our team members outfitted and supplied with ballistic vests, which that's kind of another whole conversation that people never thought they'd see the day that paramedics need to carry ballistic vests. But heck, this week's events have proven that uh, once again, making sure our first responders are protected is a high priority. Uh, Some of the more visible projects associated with that bond issue, we had a couple of new stations just open. Uh, one in St. Peter's at the corner of Jungerman and Old Mill Parkway, and another on East Pierce in Winsfield. They made their debut around Labor Day of last year. This year is going to be very, very exciting, is that we are going to move into our new consolidated campus facility located on Salt River Road in St. Peter's. For a point of reference, the Academy Sports and Home Goods that area, that new plaza, back behind there is where this new facility is going to be located. That's going to be 147,000 square feet. It's a very large, large facility. Very substantial building that is going to bring together all facets of our operation. Obviously not the EMS stations themselves, but every other area of our operation, which is currently spread between five different buildings in three different municipalities. We've been very fragmented and spread throughout our history. We've just acquired buildings as we've expanded because we had to. We didn't have all the space we needed here at our current facility. So we've kind of added things piecemeal as the years have gone on, and we're going to bring all of that together at this consolidated campus. It's going to have a a number of really exciting features, a substantial training facility for our team, a couple of simulation labs, which are going to be state-of-the-art. We're very excited about community meeting space, 
for not only us to host uh, community trainings, but also if other agencies need to use that, they're going to be able to do so. So a lot of really exciting things. And we anticipate that coming online probably mid-summer is a good guess. And we expect to be that move in, uh, something you in the IT world can appreciate, getting all of that moved over and getting everything set up. Yeah. It's going to take a couple of months, and then we anticipate being in there and fully active by about September or so. Also okay. this year, we will begin construction on two additional new uh, EMS stations. One will be in the Harvester area at the corner of Cox Hill Road and Towers, and then we've got another one that will be just north of 364 on Queensbrook at Woodstone. So that's going to help us. We currently have one station that serves that entire area. It's located... Uh, on a street called Sycamore, just off Old 94. Kind of think of it in the general area of the St. Peter's Walmart, if, if, if that's a good good marker to go off of. Okay. And that one truck covers that entire densely populated residential area. And I'll be the first to admit that there are a couple pockets of that that our response time could be better. And that's why we're so excited to replace that one truck with two and spread them out a little bit more so that we can provide much more even coverage. That the reconfiguration down there in that area was very high on our priority list for that bond, and we're so happy to be taking those steps this year. I anticipate those stations uh, beginning construction on those in the spring and them coming online probably late fall would be a good a good wow. estimate. So it's 2021 is going to be a big year for us. Yeah. And then moving forward into the future, we've got a number of other projects associated with that 10-year capital improvement plan. That document's on our website. If anybody wants to check it out and see what else is in the hopper, uh, they're more than welcome to do so. Okay, awesome. And there's so much information that you are sharing. I think it's fantastic. I do want to get to a couple of other things real quick. I think there's kind of a renewed interest in people getting into healthcare now and, and research and science and all that kind of stuff, which I think is fantastic. Specifically for EMS, how does somebody begin that journey? What, how do they learn about it? What's the education path look like? How can they just generally find out more information about that? I would completely agree with you, Ken, about that, that the renewed interest and in, in people interested in getting into healthcare. And this is a dynamic line of work that even within the EMS industry, there's such a wide variety of paths that people can look into once they're already licensed as a paramedic. There's critical care, there's the mobile integrated health, there's getting engaged in more some of the community programming like CERT. So there's, there's a lot of paths within our industry. But in a general sense, to get involved in this line of work, one would need to first complete an EMT program. We do have one here at the ambulance district. We offer both EMT and paramedic training opportunities. There's a couple other places here in St. Charles County where people can get those licensures also, but we do offer it here through our training academy at the ambulance district. EMT is about a five or six month training program at most places. Once an individual completes an EMT training program, they need to pass a practical and a written exam, and then they become licensed as an EMT. Uh, that's kind of the basic level. We hire only paramedics at St. Charles County Ambulance District. Some other EMS providers do a combination hiring of EMT and paramedic, but we hire only that paramedic level paramedic program, one, once they have completed and received their EMT license, they can go on uh, to paramedic training. You can't just jump straight to paramedic. You have to have the EMT level first. 
Again, we do offer that here at SCAD. That is a one-year training program at our training academy. Ours runs August to August each year. Quite a bit more rigorous and demanding than an EMT program, uh, whereas an EMT program is a couple nights a week for four hours, and then you've got about 40 clinical hours uh, that you have to complete. A paramedic program is always one 10-hour day each week and often a second eight-ish hour day. And then the paramedic clinicals are far more substantial. Folks can expect to spend upwards of a thousand hours uh, on ambulance rides and in hospital environments, honing those skills and making sure they're going to be assertive and capable whenever they they get out of that training program that they can manage uh, the high acuity emergencies that will be tossed their way whenever they step onto an ambulance. Again, uh, about a one-year program is what generally can be expected, sometimes a little bit longer depending on if they've got all their clinical requirements finished up. But that's generally how that education path works. And then once you're already a licensed paramedic, again, there's a lot of specialty certifications that folks can look into, everything from community paramedicine to critical care to getting involved in like urban search and rescue, getting special training in high angle rescue, rope rescue, hazmat, things of that nature are all specialties that folks could gravitate toward if they were interested in. And and that's one thing that being a large organization like SCAD, we're very happy to be able to offer our team those opportunities to expand their breadth and depth of knowledge once they already join us. Those opportunities exist for them to get that specialty training and and really strengthen their knowledge in areas of interest. One last question I have is how can the community help you guys? What's the best way for us to all help you guys out? That differs depending on what the high priority situations are at the moment. I would say, I guess I should back up and say, in a general sense, we could not ask for a more supportive community to serve. Our residents are continually going out of their way to tell our team how much they appreciate the work they do, asking us, hey, can we take care of lunch for uh, the crews in our area, things of that nature. And that is so very much appreciated. That's an all the time thing. Folks are always uh, so supportive of us. You indicated earlier that community was overwhelmingly supportive whenever we presented the 10-year capital improvement plan for approval. That passed with a 68% yes vote. I don't know what more one could possibly ask for than that level of support. Here and now, what folks can do to support our team is is heeding the warnings and following the the directions of our public health department. Things like masks, things like limiting social gathering, socially distancing, things of that nature, they truly go, do go a long way in helping contain the spread. And as you can imagine, our team, after 10 months, it has become fatiguing. It was a challenge from the onset, and it continues to be. So anything we as a community can do to slow the spread, and that's going to get us back to, quote, normal faster. So taking those steps would be greatly appreciated right now. Awesome. Kyle, I really always enjoy talking with you, and I learned so much today. I'm glad that we had a chance to kind of talk through a lot of this stuff. We may even need to have you come back because I know – there are so many great things that you guys do. So many people are recognized in your organization, but we are running out of time for this episode. So we'll uh, make sure we put information on the podcast episode and on the website about how people can contact you to learn more. And uh, thanks so much, Kyle. 
Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, a lot of these safety programs that we didn't have time to get to today are all and the education piece and a number of other things are all detailed on our website, sccad.com. So folks can hop on there, check out everything. And, and I am always available for chamber members and community members alike to uh, get a hold of me, shoot me a, a text, an email, a call. More than happy to talk you through anything you have questions on. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Ken. We want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Please be sure and subscribe to the Local St. Charles podcast in your podcast software. We'd love for you to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to visit localstcharles.com for more episodes, information on local businesses, free resources, and a link to set up a free consultation with the host of this podcast. Thanks again and stay tuned. Ken Tucker here from ChangeScape Web. Chances are your customers are texting. They do it every day, several times per day. Text message marketing allows your business to meet your customers where they are already spending time. And text messages get better open and engagement rates than email or social media. We have a terrific text message marketing system for brick and mortar businesses. Text the word, text me more, that's all one word, to 636-428-3855 to see how this could work for your business or visit localleads.me forward slash text and click on the blue, see the power of text message marketing button in the lower right corner, then enter your phone number.